we're really at this point in the industry where it's less about showing futuristic concepts and it's really about the rubber hitting the road and us trying to deliver these concepts and these new products to our customers. This is the year, actually, where we're going to start seeing flying cars, for example. <laughs> Yay! It, it, it was just highlighted. Yes, yeah, so we were finally. News. We're seeing the all the horizontal, but also the vertical transportation. And there's uh, at least in Europe, there's some pilots now being uh, committed to for what comes to flying cars. Welcome to Honda Stories. This is the podcast that takes you behind the scenes to hear about some of the most exciting things Honda's been a part of over the last 60 years. So join me, Bradley Hasemeyer, and let's hear about the stories behind the Honda badge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show and welcome to my freezing cold Honda CRV. As you know, I broadcast, I record all of that from inside my CRV because it's so quiet, it's so comfortable but I have to have the engine off because I'm recording and it's like 30 degrees outside. I had to take my jacket off because it was making too much noise, but you know what? It's fine because it's all for you guys. Now today we are gonna be talking tech and I love to talk tech because normally I'm coming to you guys at this time of year from Vegas at CES. That's the Consumer Electronics Show. I miss you guys. I miss being able to interact with you and show you some of the cool new stuff that's going on. And obviously the show is not happening this year, but innovation, research, and development, of course, is still happening and continues all year long for Honda. In fact, they have a Silicon Valley-based open innovation program called Honda Accelerator, which is essentially just an open window, an open door that entrepreneurs and startups can come in and talk with Honda, and Honda can go out and talk with them. And those partnerships end up leading to the invention of a lot of the cutting edge tech that you're gonna see in your vehicles in the coming years. So on today's episode, we're gonna talk to Dennis Clark from Honda Accelerator and also Klaus Miko Nielsen from one of Honda's partners, Nordic Ninja. <laughs> How cool a name is that, Nordic Ninja, I love that. We're gonna find out a little bit more about what they do, why it's important, and which one of these guys wants to put us on a rocket. Good morning. My name is Dennis Clark. I'm the Senior Managing Director of Corporate Venturing and Open Innovation at Honda Innovations. Honda Innovations is the open innovation arm of Honda. We operate a program called Honda Accelerator, which facilitates collaboration between early stage startups and different divisions inside of Honda. Basically, our role is to seek out and find strategically important startups for Honda and fund those startups to work together with us and build things build new features for our products, build completely new products and services for Honda as well. Okay, that's awesome. And then tell me a little bit about how you got into this. Are you just like a tech guy through and through and put me anywhere in Silicon Valley? Or are you a car guy who happens to love tech? What's your passion behind this? Yeah, so I would say originally I grew up in North America. And so like any young kid, I, I loved cars, had a huge passion for cars, posters all over my walls as a kid. And then in my 20s, I actually moved to and worked in Asia and traveled a lot in Asia and got to experience a different side of transportation and mobility, right? Vietnam, motorcycles all over the streets and scooters, big cities in China and Japan where you don't need a car to get around and, and it's perfectly reasonable. You can live life. And that really opened my eyes to this whole category of, of mobility and got me excited about the potential 
not only the potential that mobility offers people in terms of economic opportunity, but the chance of us to be able to change mobility and improve the environment and, and address some of these social and environmental issues that exist, in part as a result of some of the things we're doing in transportation. Now, is your role to like bring ideas or you kind of sit at the desk and people come to you or, or how does that work? Yeah, so we actually actively go out and scout for interesting innovations and startups. And one of the ways we do that is we have a variety of investments in venture capital firms like Nordic Ninja. And we have an extensive network throughout Silicon Valley and other tech hubs globally. And so we actually go out and look for very early stage startups working on important technologies for Honda. I love that you guys are being proactive about seeking out those startups. And you mentioned Nordic Ninja. Not only do they have a killer name, but they have a unique partnership with Honda. And to learn a little bit more about that, we have Klaus Miko here. So exactly what is it you guys do? We do investments in startups. So we have a team of seven active Ninja members who are working to scout potential growth companies here in the Nordic and Baltic area. A classic version where we do the investments, it's a so-called A-round, Nordic A-round, which is about one to five million euro tickets. And that is invested in potential growth companies. And we do all what we can to help and support the growth in global expansion. There's people with briefcases of money and then people come and say, this is my idea. I've gone as far as I can. I've done all the work. We're ready to go. And then you guys say, yeah, I like that idea. Let's do that. Right. Very much so. I worked uh, almost 10 years with business angels in the Nordics. And uh, of course, the, the business angel part, that is very much about how an individual likes the individuals and then the possibility, this kind of a promise. Venture capital, it's a slightly more boring, if that's the version to, to <laughs> the, the term to use. But it is, it's, it's a super crucial. It's filling a gap where definitely from these institutional investors and, and helping out these growth companies. So there's, I would say, during the 10 years in my experience, all the different levels of investors, they play well together. All parts are needed very much. And for example, Nordic Ninja, as we are a VC, the venture capital investor, we're not a, a corporate venture capital, CVC. So we don't purely provide corporate money or invest on behalf of a corporate strategy. So that's the beauty and why we're really happy to cooperate with Honda, for example, that we have the network and the trust from the Honda network and the financial support, but more or less, we're able to do the investments independently. It is more or less a Quite of an interesting development phase still in the Nordics. In the U.S., the, 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 of course, it's their more historical tradition, but I would say Europe is picking up quite soon and fast and really happy to be building these links with especially Dennis and the team in Honda. I think it might be helpful to provide a little context. I imagine people are wondering, well, why is Honda working with and investing in a, a venture capital firm? And what's interesting is up until about 10 years ago, most of the innovation that happened in the automotive field happened inside of the labs of companies like Honda and our supplier partners. But what's happened over the last 10 years or so is that an increasing number of startups have taken an interest in transportation and automotive. Uh, and venture capital firms like Nordic Ninja have taken the risk to invest and fund them. And so as a result, a big company like Honda, we never know where the next innovation is gonna come from. Lots of it, of course, comes from our in-house teams that are working on things inside of our labs, but there's lots of very valuable technologies and even new businesses that are being born and created by startups, not just here in Silicon Valley, but around the world. And our venture capital partners give us a window into that, a very early window into what innovators are doing around the world 
and how Honda can partner with them. It's almost like Nordic Ninja is like, you're the uncle and they're like your nephew who's like in high school and you're looking at them like, oh, what shoes are you wearing? Like, what music are you listening to? Because you're the younger, sleeker, quicker, cooler. And then you can go back to your parties and you sound cool. We just have to be careful that the startups don't think of us as grandpas or grandmas as well. So more or less like keeping up this kind of at right level. So yeah, That's we're really right. happy to be the, the translators and preaching in that, that field. What is your passion, Klaus Miko, as far as like, obviously what you do is it's such a volatile industry that you're involved with. How do you stay positive and excited? What is it about Nordic Ninja specifically that gets you excited? I've been working in the Finnish startup bubble for the last 10 years. And, and of course, we've seen a quite a tremendous change in the, the Nordics, just as we see from this kind of a corporate focused culture to more startup focused activity. And one is, of course, uh, Finland, which is still living the post Nokia area where we're still looking for potential next steps of growth companies. So I'm part of that. And we've been now working with the startup field and industry in different fields from business angels and early stage investing. And now been happy for two years since we launched our fund Nordic Ninja VC, being part of doing more larger ticket investments to help the international scaling. And I'm sure when you were a kid, you wanted to be a pilot or a train conductor. How was it that you ended up getting so interested in this industry? I would say one thing is, is uh, this kind of an optimistic and driving force. So the, the startup field, it, it's super energetic. You get this kind of a wrong image of the world as, as everybody around you are energetic and hoping to build something and solve global problems. So I guess I was uh, this kind of a hippie mindset when in my youth, <laughs> when uh, we, we unfortunately we boycotted these larger corporates and I thought that oh, was yeah. bad for the world. But nowadays it's interesting, like we had this kind of a total shift mindset, like university students, even younger, they want to make the world a better place and instead of boycotting and not buying some products they actually just create their own company and do something better and that's such an awesome solution so majority of my friends they all are aiming for something good and they, they definitely feel like they want to make an impact in the world money i would say that's definitely not the driving force in this field it, it's mainly just to make an impact and hopefully create something good and if there's a financial benefit that's just a bonus Absolutely. How did you guys connect? Dennis, did you guys seek out Nordic Ninja or were you guys skiing together in the Alps and it just happened to come <laughs> up on the chairlift? How did you guys come together? Yeah, so we were looking for a partner in Europe to help us source innovative startups and came across uh, the Nordic Ninja team. What's interesting about the Nordic region specifically is uh, there's a, a lot of strong engineering and, and computer science and technology talent in the Nordics. And the other thing that really appealed to us with what's happening there is, in many ways, a lot of the countries there are first movers when it comes to electrification, digitization, and really the future is in some ways unevenly distributed and it's happening there first. And so that's what attracted us to the, to the region. Uh, and the team itself is very strong. They have a very strong track record. They bridge uh, Japan and the US and Europe very nicely in terms of having a diverse team and skill set. Yeah. And then Klaus Miko, what was it like getting a phone call from a group as big and as storied as Honda to say, hi, we're interested in working with you? You're like, is this a prank call? <laughs> yeah. 
I would love to have that call as well, but actually the, the whole initiative came from Japan. So uh, we have Nordics and Baltics, we have a special relation with Japan. And what was happening is that, that Japan has been benchmarking and looking around as well what comes to different kind of activities, how to activate and inspire the larger corporations, the industry towards uh, a bit more startup related mindset. And Honda was one of the brave ones to take part of this kind of a first pilot fund to be established from Japan around the world. And as first location was picked uh, Nordics. Why Nordics was chosen to be placed this 100 million euro in fund was that the feedback is being that because Nordics and Japan, they have a demographics, for example, are quite similar. A lot of older people, but still Nordics are able to produce quite a lot of interesting companies and there's been unicorns. So uh, we're really happy to have this interest and concrete link from Japan now established in the form of an investment fund. We have four guys who moved from Tokyo to Helsinki. The coldest day of the year, it was like minus <laughs> oh, 25 no. degrees. Oh. And, and they brought their families and the whole package. The kids, they told them, like, how are we going to survive here? Yeah, no, nope. turn around, so, back so, on the plane, uh, we're out. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So, so where did you take us? So, but... They survived the winter and we've been now active for two years since the launch. So in the next February, it's going to be our third year kicking off and it's been really great. It is a beautiful relation in the sense that we get the best, that we get the links with Dennis and his networks and expertise. But still, we have an independent, active local team that are committed for the, the whole whole journey. So it's a long term investment. The startups that we make the investments in, they get this kind of a local community that who knows the activity and the region. But at the same time, we have the luxury of linking them to these great corporate partners. Talk a little bit about the future of what you guys see like trend wise and why you're working with Nordic Ninja to make that happen. Yeah, so Nordic Ninja has done a great job investing across a transportation and mobility. And I'll let Klaus Miko speak to some of the incredible portfolio companies they have doing work in transportation. But some of the areas that we're excited about, looking at urban mobility, we're very excited about micromobility and this idea of on-demand mobility for short trips that can include things like two-wheel scooters, of course, we're the largest manufacturer of motorcycles in the world. That's an area that we're very excited about, and that's actually very active in Europe right now. Also, electrification and energy is an area that we're spending a lot more time and looking at as, as an innovation unit for Honda. And this not only includes electric vehicles, but thinking more holistically about energy and energy services. And this idea that at some point we're going to have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of batteries running around on the road. And those batteries can be used to get back to the grid, for example, uh, and provide energy uh, to communities and think of it more systematically. And so we're looking, we're developing technologies, we're developing innovations, and we're looking for technologies to help us realize that vision. And so you turn to Nordic Ninja and Klaus Miko, what is some of the stuff you guys are looking at for the future? Of course, we're not talking about flying cars. We're not talking about invisible capes. We're talking about actual stuff that we're going to start seeing. What are you seeing on the front lines? This is the year, actually, where we're going to start seeing flying cars, for example. <laughs> Yay! It, it, it was just highlighted. Yes, yeah, so we were great finally. News. We're seeing the all the horizontal, but also the vertical transportation. And there's uh, at least in Europe, there's some pilots now being uh, committed to for what comes to flying cars. So we're definitely this is for everybody who's listening to to be aware that soon there's going to be these flying taxes. 
of course, I'm still myself super amazed about all the autonomous vehicles driving around. We see quite a lot of interesting happening in, in the form of combining the, the new era of 5G, for example, which is mm. uh, thanks to Ericsson and Nokia, there's been a lot of in, uh, development that scene. And a car industry has been in Scandinavia, for example, quite long uh, active and and developing far. So we see a lot of, for example, Nordic Ninja, we've done half of the 12 investments. We did the first half a year, one and a half year, we, we did related to mobility. And that is the mass, for example, mobility as a service, where you get all the, the transportation with one app on a monthly fee, but mm-hmm. also as Dennis mentioned, the, the e-scooters and so on. For example, electric uh, trucks, which are autonomous, which actually are now driving around. And we can see that this kind of a suburban transportation is definitely going to be one of the first steps as the distances are quite far. There's quite a lot of space in, in the Nordics to do this kind of a testing. Yeah, the legislation is adapting quite quickly to allow this kind of car and vehicle to try and drive around. So uh, I must say it's, it's surprising, but it, we, we do have quite a good fit to do this kind of a development. And it's a happy place to do investments to these kind of a potential growth companies. Now, Dennis, there's a lot of buzz around the idea of an autonomous vehicle, but it's actually a little more complicated than just like your car drives itself, right? Yeah. W- one thing that people may not realize is that the autonomous vehicle industry, the approach has kind of bifurcated in a way. So there's various companies working on initiatives for robo-taxi in a constrained environment, right? Level, what they call level four autonomy in a constrained environment, enabling kind of mobility as a service with autonomous vehicles. There's personal car, right? The idea of kind of an autonomous system for your personal car, which from a timing standpoint is a lot further out, right? Uh, for a fully autonomous vehicle. And then, of course, there's companies that are working on commercial and various types of uh, autonomous systems for commercial vehicles. And as of late, especially given the pandemic, a lot of focus is being put on commercial and delivery and the use of autonomous vehicles for either last mile delivery or even kind of like hub to hub. Yeah, the other thing I should probably add is that part of the bifurcation is that the requirements for an autonomous vehicle are very different. If it's a robo taxi that operates on a fixed route at low speeds in an urban environment versus a personal car that needs to be able to go anywhere and everywhere at high speeds on the highway as well as in the city. The requirements, the cost, and the system are very different for those, at least at this moment in time, for those two different applications of of autonomous vehicles. And as a result, the timing for those coming to market and the cost structure around them are very different. There's this big label of autonomous vehicles, and for oftentimes people don't realize that there's lots of nuance, and it's it's not going to happen all at once. You know, again, there's different applications that require different levels of autonomy and different types of, of technology. Now, it's one thing for you guys to develop the technology or to work with Honda or future casting and looking at this stuff. It's a whole nother for people to actually adopt it, feel comfortable with it, want to start using it. What do you see in terms of that? I mean, people were even hesitant, like a hybrid. That sounds a little weird. And now we're talking about autonomous trucks. Like, how do you make that jump for a general public? 
Surprisingly, uh, for, for those who are not aware, but Nordics are quite uh, governmental driven. But yeah, that has its benefits as well. And uh, one of the examples is, is Norway. So just uh, two days ago, there was highlighted that over half of all the new cars sold in Norway were electric. And that wow. is just uh, we, we're surprisingly we're there. Of course, Norway is, is an oil producing country, but at the same time, they have a tremendous driving force on the governmental and, and private individual level trying to clean it up in the sense and to use governmental benefits in taxation and there's a tremendous amount of benefits that directs the public to buy for example electric cars uh-huh. and that of course we know those are included with these kind of a autonomous elements so step by step we can see that they're happening more and more in this field we're definitely of course we I, I just uh, personally looking for my my next uh, car as well and just had the test here the uh, Honda e-series so really looking forward to test it out as well this was an unpaid advertisement yeah but I'm truly super excited about it It looks really amazing. A lot of our listeners may say, did you say the Honda E with a big question mark? Dennis, I'm going to let you answer that one so that you get in trouble and not me. So go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, so there's a famous futurist that says the future is already here. It's just unevenly distributed. And that's true in many cases, and I think that rings to what Klaus Miko was was talking about. But yes, the Honda E is this amazing kind of futuristic EV that we offer in the European market. What's interesting about the Honda E, aside from being this just really exciting design urban electric vehicle, is that it actually has some DNA from our program, Honda Accelerator, uh, inside of this car. So one of the exciting things about the car is the user experience inside. It has this sweeping display that stretches across the entire dashboard and allows the both the driver and the passenger to interact with the content on the display. Wow. And so, of course, if you're in the passenger seat, you can watch movies and do this type of thing as well. But the assistant that lies behind that, it has a, an assistant Honda personal assistant in which you can interact with. The technology behind that assistant actually comes from a Silicon Valley-based startup that our program found and began working with and ultimately passed off to development teams in Japan to productize. And so the Honda, he has a special part uh, in my heart in the fact that it's one of the, the first Honda products that we've been able to actually deliver some of our collaborations and innovations to directly to our customers. I think that's fantastic. It must have been amazing. Have you had a chance to drive the vehicle? I have not. I have sat in it numerous times. Okay. The other, some of the other interesting elements that the Honda he has, uh, it's to my knowledge, the first vehicle to have no rear view mirrors. So it actually has cameras uh, as rear view mirrors. The images, of course, from the rear show up on this this giant display. It's really the future kind of coming to life uh, on the streets of of Europe as we speak. And I love that, obviously, people think of Honda, they think Honda Civic, they think Accord, they think America, especially if we're in America. But I love how broad and wide Honda looks and thinks globally even in their innovations, even using an American-based innovation lab, they're also thinking, yeah, but we got a whole world to provide for us. So you come up with something like the Honda E. What are the chances of seeing something like that in America or maybe a derivative of? Yeah, so we have just as ambitious plans for the U.S. in terms of the products that we're bringing to market. Of course, there's some regional differences in terms of what our customers seek and need. So when we think about electric vehicles, In most markets in the U.S., of course, range is a bigger concern than some European markets. So products might differ in that way. But we're really about we're excited about bringing new kind of experiences into the vehicle 
to allow customers to operate the vehicle more safely and more importantly, interact with their digital life and kind of interact with a variety of services that can help them uh, as they move about their day in, inside of the vehicle. That's great. Klaus Miko, how do you see the Honda E doing where you are? I have my test drive. This is once again, not a paid advertisement, <laughs> but I have, my, I have my test drive booked for next week, actually. So oh I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, it is a beautiful innovation. And just this kind of a simple example, Honda E includes, it, it has this keyless opportunity as well. And how is that going to disrupt the whole car sharing industry as soon as we get rid of the physical keys as well? So that's going to, in theory, can mm. I go to my neighbors and just book that through my mobile phone? And that is truly mass mobility as a service. And that's something, for example, our portfolio company, Wimis, is working hard on. So I really like where this is going and it, it's going really fast. I must say, though I'm in a fast startup disruptive uh, bubble of myself, but I must say they've done a really great job. And I'm, I as, uh, for the future generation, we all dads and mothers as well. So it is uh, really great to see where the development is going. I love oh, I'm that. I'm glad you're excited about that, Klaus Miko, because that was the exact intent for the, being able to do keyless entry with a smartphone is the idea that for a lot of our customers, their vehicle sits in a parking lot for an extended period of time unused. And if we can open that exactly. up as an asset for them to lend to their friends or family or even put on a platform and allow them to rent it out to other people when they're not using it, that offers tremendous value, and that's the exact intent behind putting that feature into the Honda E, and you'll, you'll see it coming to more products in the future as well. Now, recently, my family needed to get a new car, and I did what I pretty much do for all my shopping now. I simply went online, found a white CRV, and bought it. And this is such a, a, a kind of a disruptor to the traditional way of buying a vehicle. You guys helped innovate this type of platform. So tell me about that. Yeah, we actually helped our North American entity, American Honda Motor, develop a relationship with a startup uh, by the name of Modal and ultimately make an investment. And basically, this startup is developing technology that allows our dealers, Honda dealers, to offer a complete online experience for our customers to be able to go in, get qualified, do their trade-in, and purchase a Honda vehicle without ever going into a dealership, if they like. The pandemic has had a huge impact on how vehicles are purchased over the last nine months. And we're seeing increasingly more people that feel comfortable leveraging this tool and going online, picking out the vehicle they want, even arranging for a loan and making payment and having it delivered to them. And we expect this will continue even after the pandemic. It's just in some cases, if you know you want a Honda, you've already driven an Odyssey, you've, you've driven an Odyssey for the last 10 years and you want the new one, in some cases, there's no need to go to the dealership. You can just go right online, order the vehicle you want, and have it delivered to you. That's really the future of yeah. auto sales. So obviously, with this pandemic, there have been major shifts and changes in mobility, and assumedly, as well as people's interest in mobility from a financing standpoint as well. What are you guys seeing, Klaus Miko, that's changed because of this pandemic? Yeah, of course, the startup culture that we, we have the luxury of working with, they are, are used to working on certainty and, and you have to be reactive. So more or less, that kind of a mentality has been, the actual pandemic hasn't been affecting too much other than, and for some companies, it's we see massive growth with, uh, of course, software-related services and less with physical contact and meetings and so on. So what we see, and, and of course, what makes us really excited is that the, is the latest cooperation we have with Nordic Ninja, that there's been in the Nordic specifically, we had 
the demand of large support and resources. Uh, startups, they typically do bootstrapping and, and then get to a certain level. But uh, Europe, classically, we had some limitation to growth. So what makes me excited is, of course, having the Nordic Ninja structure where we have these larger corporations as well, being part of the, the family, but was still we are able to work in the same speed and fast as the startups require. We just in the beginning, we just established a relation with the team and, uh, and for example, Dennis and the Honda team. So we're seeing a lot of opportunities and uh, looking forward to share these problems and, and finding if there's definitely some kind of combination that we see as, as the future solutions and hopefully making the better day for everybody of us. And Dennis, what are you seeing in Silicon Valley where you are because of this pandemic? How's that changed you guys? Yeah, so I think without a doubt, when the pandemic is over, a lot of these changes are going to stick. We talked a little bit earlier about people purchasing cars online. Not everybody will feel comfortable doing that, but there's a certain segment of population that will do that and will continue to do that even after the pandemic. We talked about micromobility. That's an area that in some markets we're seeing people kind of shun public transportation because in some ways they're afraid of being locked in a subway tube with other people and the chances of catching COVID from that. And they're instead using micromobility platforms and using an app to reserve a electric scooter on their phone and getting on that and, and traveling around the city. Things like that, I think, will continue to stick and proliferate because they're convenient. And in some ways, they offer a more efficient way of an environmentally friendly way of transporting people. I guess one of the things that's happening is that we're evolving as a group, a Honda Innovations and Honda Accelerator. We talked a little bit earlier about the future really is here, right? The last four or five years, we've showed concepts at CES, and now the rubber is hitting the road. We're trying to deliver these kind of advanced mobility concepts to the customer. In that, of course, there's still lots of problems and solutions that need to be created, problems that need to be solved and solutions that need to be created around electrification, around autonomy, around connectivity. But us as the arrow, the spear tip, if you will, for Honda's innovation efforts, we're now even looking beyond the car, if you will, and typical mobility and transportation. Klaus Miko had mentioned flying cars earlier. Uh, well, we're not quite there yet, but as an innovation team, we're looking at vertical takeoff and landing. We're looking at robotics uh, and how we can bring robotics into the home and help our customers. We're looking at different types of energy innovation uh, and how we can kind of improve energy efficiency in the home as well as in our vehicles and kind of create a sustainable business and, and suite of products for our customers. For us, we're really evolving as an innovation group, not just looking at the core industries that Honda's always been a part of, but looking at adjacent industries, again, like energy and understanding where Honda can bring some of our philosophy, our technical prowess, and really kind of create transformative products and services for the future. So guys, this is the time of year CES normally happens around this time and everybody's buzzing about new technologies. Did you see that thing? Did you try that thing? This is where we're heading. Dennis, at the Accelerator program in Silicon Valley, what are you most excited about in the next few years as far as automotive technologies? What really excites me is about figuring out where mobility goes next, figuring about how we can even further improve human mobility and, and what that looks like beyond autonomous vehicles, beyond connected services into the vehicle and allowing our customers to pay for parking and do a variety of things inside of the cabin of their vehicle. Thinking beyond urban mobility, 
looking at things like Klaus Miko mentioned, aviation and going beyond terrestrial mobility, looking at where else we can go uh, as a company, as a society to continue to advance and improve. So Dennis wants to launch a rocket to uh, the moon and ride around on uh, electric scooters. I like that. Klaus Miko, what are you getting excited about in the mornings and, and keeping you up working hard? Well, it's definitely the, the whole energy in the startup field. So there's so many innovations and solutions coming up every day. And, and we're such in a luxury position, of course, to see what the future might look like. I guess we all experience like all those elements that frustrates us and we feel like problems. And there is these active individuals who take it to action and actually make solutions. And those is something that we see now. What definitely makes me excited is that we, we see more and more of these innovations, that all the numbers in this field is, is increasing. So is it mobility or is it just a purchasing experience on, on these websites or, or so on? It is just making us the everyday solutions much more simple and, and neat. So I'm really happy to be part of, of helping and, and supporting these great entrepreneurs to take it further and, and eventually take it on and link it with our partners and corporations. Yeah, it sounds like Dennis is excited about taking a rocket to the moon and riding around on an electric scooter. And Klaus Miko, ever the optimist, is just excited. There's more people playing the game. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for your time and get back to work. Innovation needs to happen. Let's do it. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, man, I loved the chance to get to talk to these guys to get a behind the scenes look at how many of Honda's innovations end up in your vehicle, right? I mean, if you're like me, you probably thought, okay, these cool features that you've got in your car, they, they came out of a, a boardroom meeting or maybe a research team that talked with people about features they'd want to see in their car one day. And of course, that's part of it. But to know that Honda has this focus in Silicon Valley to work with startups in a similar way to how some of your favorite big tech companies do, I think that's pretty impressive. And it makes me excited about what's to come. So that's all for this episode of Honda Stories. Thanks for going behind the badge with us. And like always, if you're enjoying this podcast, and I hope you are, be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. We've got a lot more coming your way, so make sure you subscribe. And if you have your own Honda story that we should know about, tag us on social using hashtag Honda Stories, and you could be on the show. I'm Bradley Hasemeyer. Have a great week, and see you on the road.